Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Acts 4, 32 through 35. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Acts in your Bible. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. I didn't spoil the movie for you. Any of you who haven't seen it yet? I think you've had like 20 years, maybe. Yeah, I know. It makes you feel really, really old. Well, um, one of the things, and I know this maybe seem really, really silly, uh, is when I, think of, when I think of boldness, I think about Buzz Lightyear. Like, he is just, like, he's the boldest character ever, right? Because here he is, he's thrown into this new situation, um, and he just, he thinks he's, well, he thinks he's a space ranger from Star Command, right? And, and like, he, he lives into that to the fullest extent possible, even to the point of, you know, throwing himself off of a, the, the bedpost there. Now, later on in the movie, he tries to fly, right? Is that, and he goes down the stairwell. I don't know, it's been a while since I've seen it. But boldness is, is just one of those things that, like, it, it's the lack of fear, right? It, it's, it's being able to, to go into a situation with confidence and with strength, knowing that, hey, this is going to turn out just okay. And that's what, that's what Buzz kind of does right there. Well, our, our story picks up today, and uh, it, it picks up with the Jesus' disciples after, the, after Pentecost. So, kind of, we, we rehearsed this story for, uh, for the kids. But after Pentecost, they're all gathered together and they pray for boldness that they might be able to proclaim the word of God. Uh, and so they're gathered up in this room, and, but there's a little bit of story that happens before this section in chapter 4 of Acts. By the way, we're going to be in Acts for a couple of weeks, and uh, before, I, before I get to that, I just want to say one thing about the book of Acts and its portrayal of the early church is that sometimes people want to take everything that happens in the book of Acts and say, we as a church must be exactly like that. They take it as prescribing exactly what the church should look like even here and now, in a vastly different context and a vastly different place. Uh, But I think that the the book of Acts is rather, well, it's more descriptive than it is prescriptive. Like it's, it's more describing for us the work of the Holy Spirit among the people who began to follow Jesus at the very earliest of times. And so it's describing for us what it is that this church has done, and it helps give us a clue of how we are to understand what we should be and who, what, who, who we should be and what we should do here and now, separated from the resurrection of Jesus by over 2,000 years. Well, last week we gathered together and we celebrated the resurrection, right? That's the one big thing that, that happened last week. It's, we celebrate Jesus' rising from the dead, never to die again. 
my wife pointed out to me this week that, you like, what's so special about the resurrection of Jesus? Because other people in the Bible had been resurrected, like Lazarus, uh, a couple in the Old Testament, uh, Elijah and Elisha. And the thing that makes Jesus' resurrection so important is that he never dies again, right? Lazarus raises from the dead. He was dead four days. He's back. But eventually death got him again, and he died just like we all will. Jesus, on the other hand, does not die. He ascends to be at the foot, uh, the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And uh, one of the things, and I've said this before, one of the things that blew my mind is that like, Jesus doesn't stop being fully God and fully human after he ascends. Like he is, he is there sitting beside the Father in his glorified human body, waiting to come back and, and do the same things for us. So we celebrate the ascension, and that happens right before the day of Pentecost, which is uh, the next big holiday in the church year. It's, it's the day we celebrate, like I said for the kids, the giving of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, John will call it the, the comforter or the advocate, uh, the one who comes alongside of those who follow Jesus Christ to strengthen them, empower them, to cleanse them from sin and help them to do and be all that God is calling them to be. Well, we, we move past the day of Pentecost, and uh, Peter and John are going about, well, like good Jews would. They're still going to the temple to pray. And so they're on their way to, to the temple to pray, and we'll look at this passage in a couple of weeks, actually. And there's this beggar guy, and then Peter heals him. And, well, it gets Peter and John in some serious trouble with the religious leaders. They cause a big fuss, and they get thrown in jail, and... It's amazing. They find themselves, one of the things that they say is that they find themselves uh, fortunate and blessed that they were worthy of suffering for the sake of the gospel. And so they, they end up getting out of, out of jail and they head back to their friends and they, they offer this prayer. They pray for boldness. They, may, they might proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ uh, to the world around them. Think about that for a second. They just got out of jail. Not a, not a great experience in first century uh, Jerusalem. Uh, I'm sure it's not a great experience now, but it really wasn't then. Uh, and they go back and they, they count themselves blessed that they were willing, worthy of suffering and so that they might have boldness to go out and do that exact same thing again, which may in turn result again in more, well, more persecution, more suffering. Uh, that's where our, our passage picks up. And so this is, this is where they are. So now the whole group, after they prayed for that, it, it says after they prayed for boldness, the Holy Spirit came upon them again like it had at the day of Pentecost. Uh, now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. But everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Well, uh, I want to key in on a couple of things, and we're going to bounce a little bit, so we're going to go to verse 33 and then back to 32 in a second. But um, Actually, 32, never mind. Uh, Luke, the author of Acts, says that they were of one heart and one soul. Like that they had a unity of purpose and mission together that they knew because of the work of the Holy Spirit within them, they knew what they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to do it. 
they agreed and they were unified. Uh, It's pretty spectacular, actually, because, you know, as humans, we're not really good at that. And we're actually going to talk about that in just a little bit um, in a couple of weeks as well. I want to stress, though, that the fact that they were unified has everything to do, everything to do with the work of the Spirit in their lives. That they would be unable to be unified in the way that Luke is describing here unless they'd had an encounter to, uh, with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not just enough, right, to, to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, have, have God speak to us in some kind of way. Like, we have to be willing to give ourselves over to that. I think it's probably one of the reasons why Sam, uh, Sam picked I Surrender All. I mean, like, that's kind of what we're going for here, that, that we would give ourselves over to the work of the Spirit, uh, that we would be bold in proclaiming the good news and, and living out unity of the body of Christ. Well, uh, this next verse, though, no one claimed private ownership of any possession, but everything they owned was held in common. Uh, that might make you squirm a little bit, because it makes me squirm a little bit, right? Because I very much like having a house without any of the families living in it. I mean, it's enough to get along with my own family sometimes. Uh, my fault, not theirs, right? Uh, I think that when, when we look at this, is part of what I mean uh, when I want us to look at Acts descriptively. Uh, I don't know that in all cases, like that this, well, I don't think Luke is describing a time where all of the Christians who were in Jerusalem, they, they were living communally. I don't think that was what Luke is describing. I do think, though, that, that the Holy Spirit has worked in their lives. They had this encounter with with the Holy Spirit that allowed them and transformed them into people who didn't see the world in selfish eyes, but understood that, that what they had been given was indeed a gift from God and that the gift was to be shared with the people around them. Now, um, it wasn't just for, you know, sharing with the body of believers itself. Uh, I think part of what they were doing here was so that they could take care of the vulnerable people who were in their community. Uh, so um, it may be it went like this. Someone uh, has, a, has a sickness and they die. It's a widow. And she needs, in first century Judaism, like if you were a widow, you were vulnerable. Like if you didn't have a man to provide for you, like you could end up significantly destitute. Thankfully, that's not how it is, is now, right? Uh, but they were particularly vulnerable. So if someone had a husband die, then the, the community that becomes the church would gather together in unity of purpose and give of what they had selflessly so that others might, well, might, might not fall into brokenness and desperation. Uh, we do this uh, a little bit here, too. We have people who have given and continue to give. Part of what you give is part of uh, our mission to do the similar things. Uh, one of the things that our church does quite often uh, is offer us- utility assistance to folks. Uh, people will call and they will say, I need $37 to keep my lights on or my heat or my air conditioning on. And because of your generosity through the years, we have money to be able to say yes I will pay your $37 and a little bit extra so that you might continue to have 
electricity. Ah, we, we do that because of what Christ has given to us and because the Holy Spirit guides us and compels us to do that. Well, um, it's pretty remarkable, though, because uh, in, in Jesus' day, well, let's go forward just a second. There was not a nerdy, nerdy, <laughs> guilty. Um, there was not a needy person among them, for as many of them owned lands or households and sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed as each has needs. I think there were people who had, who had means. They had houses and land that they could sell to give to the church to help the church do what God had called it to do. And they did that out of a sense of selflessness, out of a sense of generosity. Anyway, it, it's amazing, though, that uh, in Jesus' day, anything having to do with property, like it was expected that, that if, if you sold this land or if you gave this land, that it, the act would be reciprocated in some kind of way. That you didn't just give a gift to someone, especially a gift to someone in a different socioeconomic uh, level. You didn't just give that without any, any hope that they were going to, to respond and give in kind. Uh, one, of the, one of the scholars I read on this says, says this. What this suggests is a picture of no one claiming owner's rights. No one exhibiting selfishness or possessiveness. It is a picture of sharing with out thought of reciprocity, something which we would be very surprising in a world where almost all relationships involving property were assumed to operate on the basis of some sort of reciprocity. Uh, This is is how the world worked for them. Like if if you were rich, well, you didn't associate with people who weren't rich. You certainly didn't give things to them without you thinking that they owed you uh, service of some kind. This happens. This happens because they have prayed for the Holy Spirit to make them bold in word and in deed. I, I want to go back for a, a second. And uh, so this one here, the, with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. That verse, right above it, is talking about giving away possessions. And the verse after that is also about Caring for the needy. I think part of what we are to understand here is that like, their ability to care for each other, to care for the, uh, the community around them, only comes because they have surrendered to the Holy Spirit's work. They have been transformed uh, and are being transformed from selfish people who are concerned with only themselves, which was the rule of the day, into people who were generous and gave freely of what God had given to them. Well, I think that as a community that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are learning how to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Like that, This is what God has called us to do. Uh, to gather together and, like the disciples, to pray for boldness that we might proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in our world. Boldness, though, I think by, by issue of what it is, casts out fear, right? If, like Buzz, he's not afraid of heights. He's jumping off things because he thinks he can fly. He's bold in that way. And, and I think, 
I think we need boldness more now maybe than ever because our world is entirely dominated by fear. And, and the fear that, that's operating not only in our world, but in, in Jesus' world is too, in the worlds of the disciples, is a world dominated by the fear that we will not have enough. It's like the myth of scarcity. That somehow if you are generous and living and, and giving to other people out of the abundant resources that God has given you, that somehow that will impoverish you, whether it be financially or with time with your resources or whatever. It, it, all you have to do is to watch the news. And if you're paying attention, you will see the news and, and all of them, not all of them, a lot of these stories will be like, you need to be af- 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 afraid because so-and-so is coming to take away your whatever. Or this group is coming to take away these things or They're coming to take your jobs or whatever. This is is the way our world works. It works on fear that that we aren't going to have enough. And and actually, I think think that's the the driving factor behind the Toy Story movie as well. That Woody's fear, he's not scared of Buzz as a as another toy. He's scared that Andy is not going to have enough love to love him and Buzz. And so it causes him to be selfish and, and to seek to control the, well, things so that he can be the one that Andy loves. We need to pray that God will give us the Holy Spirit so that we may be bold in proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ in word and in deed. I think telling people about Jesus might be easier than living selfishly with what you have been given. Now, this selflessness is not just like economic, right? There's, there's tons of ways that I think that we can, uh, we can live selflessly. And, and some of us have done that. Some of, some of you have done that. Like there's uh, CASA, Court-Appointed Special Advocates. And they come along children within the foster care system and they advocate for these children both in and outside of the legal system. There's foster care. Uh, some of you have experience with that where you, you take in a child who is vulnerable and you help them for as long as they need it. Of course, like there's helping people with utilities, uh, donating to the uh, Our House Homeless Shelter with their supplies, uh, donating to, as, as simple as it sounds, pocket change to faith maternity so that these, these single mothers may have an opportunity to have the things that they need to be able to give birth in a safe and clean environment. Boldness casts out fear. We pray that the Holy Spirit might give us boldness so that we would not be afraid that if we give of what we have, either financially or with our time or with our mental energy or with our whatever, that we will have enough left over. 
Because the God who calls us to give is the one who has given us all these things in the first place. And those he calls, he equips. I'm not going to say it's always easy because it's not, and, and you know that. But my hope and my prayer for our church, for us, for my own self, for my family, is that we would be bold. That we would be bold not only in telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ and introducing them to that and leading them to salvation, but that we might also be bold in caring for them in all of their other kinds of needs as well. Because at the end of the day, like that's what Jesus has done for us. Well, maybe some other things that might be ways for us to care for each other uh, outside of our own community. So I think Luke is speaking to us here with each other. We might take care of each other's needs, but that's really just practice for helping us take care of the world around us. So maybe you identify a single parent in your neighborhood and see what you might wait, see what ways you might be of assistance. Maybe childcare or whatever. Uh, we have some within our congregation, or maybe even some within your community that you know of that are that are elderly and they cannot get out, and maybe they can't get groceries or whatever. They have no one. They are not blessed with having family who can take care of them. Uh, maybe that means even just sitting and having a conversation. Uh, become a mem- uh, become a member to uh, yeah a mentor. I can't even read a mentor to someone who is new in the faith. Like we all need someone who's going to help walk beside us and, and help us grow deeper in, in what it is that we would uh, do. You could volunteer even in something like our children's ministry or with our teens uh, who need help knowing what it is to grow up and to become a faithful follower of Christ. There are lots and lots of ways for us to live out boldness in the midst of our community that we might give of ourselves in the way that Christ has given to us we're going to sing a song in just a second and I'm going to pray first but when we sing I want you to think about well I want you to pray that God might give you the boldness of the Holy Spirit Uh, That God might give our church the boldness of the Holy Spirit so that we might proclaim in word and deed all that we should proclaim about the goodness of, of God's love for creation. And then I want you to pray that God might reveal to you this week some way, some small way. You can start small, it doesn't matter. Some small way that you might practice that boldness, that selfless loving kindness for someone within your world. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. We thank you that you have given us uh, abundantly far more than we could ever ask or imagine. That within uh, the midst of everything that we're so incredibly blessed. Lord, I ask that, that you would help us each day 
to pray for your Holy Spirit, that we might have an encounter with it so that we might boldly proclaim your goodness in word and in deed. Lord, help us to have good imaginations uh, to see the need around us and creativity as we seek to, uh, to meet those needs in, in whatever way might be appropriate. Lord, we confess to you that we have not always been obedient and we have not surrendered to you. That in your attempts to make our world beautiful and to take the brokenness of it and even indeed the brokenness of our lives and make it into something new and good that we have resisted. So Lord, we give ourselves to you and we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit we might become the people people like those people in the early church who are bold and selfless. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.